I'd rather sleep on the floor. 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 I'd rather sleep on the Welcome to another edition of the Scout Team Podcast. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. You could follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to the Football Game Plan Podcast and leave us a five-star rating. And in this edition of the on this edition of the Scout Team Podcast, I'm going to give you my quick takeaways or some quick takeaways from the 2018 NFL Draft quarterback class. Now, again, I just finished grading 30 quarterbacks. Well, 31 actually, but Kyle Kemp of Iowa State, we don't know yet if he's going to be going back to the Cyclones or if he's going to be in the NFL draft, but I graded his film anyway, but I'm not going to include him in this 30. Now, I won't give you the full grades of all 30 prospects because we still have to put out the video, and we want you guys to check that out, but I do have the grades here. A day and a half of just watching tape on 30 31 quarterback prospects, and like I just tweeted out, Lamar Jackson graded out as a top quarterback prospect in this draft class, for me at least, I know we have some of our other analysts that will put out their grades pretty soon. But for me, it was Lamar Jackson, and his tape just doesn't make sense. And I'm old enough to remember what Michael Vick looked like in college. And it was it's funny because I went in stages with Lamar Jackson. Freshman year, I just thought, okay, this is a guy that's probably going to be a position convert because when he was out there, let's say, in the Liberty City, City Bowl, or Music City Bowl, I'm sorry, um, it legit was just take off and run. And last year, it was, okay, this guy is improving. He progressed. And I was calling him a more explosive Vince Young because Vince Young ran with the same level of control, still had some accuracies. He went hot and cold with, with his accuracy at, at Texas. And I wasn't a big fan of Vince Young until his senior season, when he put it, uh, junior season when he put it all together. So sophomore year, Lamar Jackson, it was sort of like, okay, he's improving. He's still great. He's playing well. And – you know, you want to see him continue to trek in the right direction. He got much better as a passer in route to winning the Heisman Trophy. And this past season, it just t- completely evolved to where he looks a lot like Michael Vick when he came, a more polished version of Michael Vick when he came out of Virginia Tech. And that's the biggest key. How can you continue to improve your game and can you continue to grow? And I think when you look at this draft class, you have a lot of guys that entered early. You know, your Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. Um, Josh Allen, all of those guys still have growth left in their game, which is key. Because I think when you come out as a senior or come out as a, as a you know, when your eligibility is done, whether you're a quarterback or outside linebacker or whoever, I do believe you still have some growth left in your game when you come out early. Now, if you're a senior prospect, I think you're pretty much maxed out. So, yes, that one year makes a difference. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of these guys that came out early will continue to grow their game and develop their game uh, as they move on to the professional level. But Lamar Jackson, just his tape really just didn't make sense in the sense of what he's able to do from a football standpoint. You're As an offensive coordinator, let's say if, if I was an offensive coordinator and you look at Lamar Jackson, you're never in a bad play. Like, never. You know, if let's put Lamar Jackson in the Atlanta at – in that Atlanta Falcons offense, right, for that NFC championship game, I'm sorry, NFC divisional game against the Philadelphia Eagles, the last play of the game when Matt Ryan was out of options. Well, 
Lamar Jackson is never out of options because of his ability to run. So that's one thing that you have to take in consideration when you look at a guy like Jackson. And also he has the willingness to want to get better. So I just thought he was the best quarterback out there based off his tape and based off projection. Because, again, the NFL draft is all about projection. And what I love about this time of the year, you know, I have to I have to bring you there to bring you here. Because during the season, now normally, and I guess it's a good thing because it shows that, you know, football game plan is growing. And personally, everything is moving in the right direction for me. Because normally I would have grades done right at the the deadline for guys to declare whether or not they're going to go into the draft. And that's obviously prior to when you only had maybe, you know, 10 to 15 guys to declare. Now you have entire you know football teams declaring so over 100 guys have declared but the reason why I I like starting now in the first at the first of February is because you know I don't I don't have any preconceived notions of players because throughout the entire college football season here's my schedule I do a fantasy football show in New York City on Sunday Monday I record the FCS kickoff our FCS college preview show, and also our FCS opening drive podcast. Tuesday through Thursday, I'm breaking down film for broadcasts that I have later in the week, also doing some NFL videos that I I put out on footballgameplan.com. And Friday, (laughs) I'm doing a high school game in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Saturday, I'm doing a college football broadcast, whether that is in the PSAC or the MEAC, or Georgetown or, you know, the Patriot League. I'm doing a college football game. And then Sunday, like I said before, it's the fantasy football show and also a Giants game in which I do cover. So my time as far as being able to watch college football like I used to when we first started doing football game plan up until about 2015 has been taken away in a great way. I'm not complaining. Taken away in a great way because of my schedule of doing TV and um, doing uh podcasts and things like that and so now when I get to February so that's why when I go to these all-star games and this year I was at the tropical bowl which I was on that broadcast please check out that video I think they uploaded it on uh, YouTube or check my retweets uh you'll see that full broadcast we did that great game down there in Daytona Beach uh Florida this past January so I was at the tropical bowl I was at the shrine game and at the senior bowl and that's when I initially start my scouting process like Throughout the year, I'll make a list and start to, to highlight some names that I want to make sure I keep track of throughout the season and make sure I get them bumped up to the top of the list when I do my film breakdown, which I do all of the month of February. I did that last year and was able to get 532 prospects graded. So I love it. I love doing it now because there's no preconceived notions about players. Um, I'm not constantly changing my grades or changing my evals. Because I just I just find it interesting. If you cover the draft all season long, like if your sole job, your outlet, your blog, your website, um, your video company is to cover the NFL draft, then at this point, there should be no more grading for you to do. You should be basically hitting send on final grades, and, and it should be out already because nothing really changes. Now, are you getting new prospects that you're starting to view now? Or are you just adjusting to grades or adjusting your grades to what you hear based off what you're seeing on TV 
uh, from other analysts and other um, outlets. Because at the end of the day, if you grade, if you if you've been grading prospects all season long, and all you cover is a draft, your work is basically done. You should start outlining for 2019, uh, to be honest. But anyway, I love doing this part because no preconceived notions. It's all about the tape, and I get to formulate an opinion based off what I just watched, and that's what happens with this quarterback group. So far, and when you look at um, the Lamar Jackson take, I say he was the highest graded player, and the most accurate was Kyle Loletta out of Richmond. And I mean, when we're talking about accuracy, we're talking about putting the ball consistently where it needs to be. So placement is involved, uh, the just the accuracy of it, where it should be, um, and also where it ends up. He was just the most consistent, and this is something that he was doing down at the Senior Bowl this year, he was the most consistent quarterback. He didn't have an up-and-down day or uh, up-and-down week. He was consistent and ended up winning the MVP in the game. So his tape was impressive, but he was the most accurate. The strongest arm is, is Josh Allen. I, listen, when you talk about arm strength, if you talk you talk about Michael Vick, um, you make a bring up – no, you talk about Michael Vick, you talk about Matt Stafford, you talk about Jay Cutler, Jeff George – Josh Allen's arm is right there in that conversation. Um, he can literally go hash to hash or four hash to far the bottom of the numbers with ease. I think that it's phenomenal how he's able to shrink space. The way he gets the ball from point A to point B is just like it as if he's playing arena football. So I think that's something that's unique about him. And I can understand the appeal because he has a strong arm. And like what I talked about with Matt Stafford, when you have that level of arm strength that no one else has, but it, you know, other than video game players, you, you know, like on Tech Mobile that can go end zone to end zone. When you have that level of arm strength, you really have the ability to out throw coverage. So we've seen Matt Stafford do this a, a lot of times in the NFL. There's a minuscule window in the back corner of the end zone with a versus a cover two defender, corner and trail, safety coming over top. You have literally a calculated screen of a window to fit the ball in. And because he has the arm to do that, he can get it there and beat great coverage. So that's what Josh Allen has when you talk about arm strength, which is why I think he has the strongest arm in the class. The underrated quarterback, I think, is Quentin Flowers. And I say underrated because, you know, it's easy to look at Quentin Flowers and say new position. Uh, Running back, they had him catching punts at the East-West Shrine game. But when you watch him throw the football – He's throwing the football better than some people in this draft class. Uh, nice over-the-top delivery. He's not afraid to challenge over the middle of the field, which is huge. Um, but I, I just think right now, and you you saw like levels of his game. Now, I've seen him twice live uh, when they played Temple, um, and it's just you saw the growth in his game and saw the growth in in what he was able to bring to the table at Central at South Florida. I'm sorry. Uh, and a lot of it ties into what Sean King was able to do when he was coaching him that one year, and I thought that was his best season at the QB position. Um, and you have to look, and people will focus on the completion percentage but not look at what throws they're asking him to make. And, yes, he can polish up his game. There's room for improvement. But I just think from a from a quarterbacking standpoint, there's a lot to like about it. I think right now his quarterbacking skills are being underrated. And a sleeper pick that I posted on Twitter, on the Twitter, was 
Pat O'Brien, Patrick O'Brien of Catawba. Now, he has an interesting role. He started at UNC Pembroke, fabulous Division II program, transferred to, to UNC Charlotte or Charlotte, um, then transferred back to UNC Pembroke, got them into the playoffs, and then now transferred to Catawba and finished out his career. He's been productive everywhere he's been, um, but he closed out a, a fantastic career at Catawba. He has what you look for at the position, the, the stereotypical prototype what the scouts look for. You know, he has a he's a height weight, you know, arm strength type of a guy. I had him at the the tropical bowl and just watching him through the week, I was like, you know, this guy this guy probably shouldn't be here, man. He should probably be at the Shrine game or something like that or NFL PA game. So he had that talent. It, it was on display throughout the week, the uh two days of practice and also in the game. So I was like, okay, I gotta make sure I keep an eye on this guy and and ha- added him to my list of prospects to watch when I got back here. And popped in the tape and was impressed. And so this is a guy that's going to probably end up somewhere in the camp and be one of those those stories you hear about that he's surprising during practices. He's surprising during seven-on-sevens or, you know, team drills. And if he gets a, a, a true opportunity, I think he's going to surprise some. So those are my initial takeaways from this this quarterback class. And the depth of the class that you hear a lot of people talk about this year is – Oh, this is the year you want to take a quarterback. And, you know, here's the thing. Every year I think – I don't think there's a down year in any class because there's always talent out there. You just got to find it. Um, but I don't think this class is as deep as last year's class was. I think last year's class, and, and the jury is still out, was special as far as the amount of quarterback and talent that you saw. Guys are now in the CFL on rosters. Guys are literally across the NFL on rosters. Some guys are starters. Some guys got playing time last year. I just don't see the depth of this class as I saw in last year's class. Now, I don't know if it's because, especially with the senior group. So that's one thing that's that's concerning. You wonder where where the, the, the depth of the the talent is, you know, where these quarterbacks are coming from or where the position is going to. Um, because in 2016, you saw depth as well. Now, I thought initially that the depth was all bunched up in the middle between second and fourth round type grades, but there was still a lot of meat in the middle. And guys on the back end of that, you know, from fifth through seventh round that I thought were, hey, yeah, yeah, I could win a game or two with this guy at quarterback here. This year, I just don't think it is as deep of a class. So I don't think it compares to 2016 or 2017. Now, I could be I think the biggest reason is because I feel like there's a bunch of the same guys. Like when you guys see this final video and see the grades, um it's a bunch it's like stacked in the middle. There's a bunch of guys that are a half a point to a point away from, you know, ninth through through 20th. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's not that big of a difference. All these guys are still quality players. I just think that that you know it's just unique how this is what I've noticed during the the scouting process of the different classes. Now that I'm actually starting to to use grades like number grades instead of round grades because I think round grades confuse people. So I use number grades and give a value and also list what that number means. So now that I'm starting to do number grades, I can easily compare and, and kind of sync the two and say, okay, if if I was to take this crop of quarterbacks 
or prospects and merge it with the grades from last year, how will they stack up? I like doing that now. I should have done that a long time ago. So just looking at this and it's like, man, this this class really not as is as deep as it was last year. Um, and, you know, we cover everything here at Football Game Plan. So from NFL all the way down to women's tackle football. Uh, so we also cover the CFL. And the CFL draft is in May. And looking at this list, there are a bunch of guys on here that have that CFL type that I think, hey, this guy could really thrive in the way the CFL game is played. So there is, I, th- I think maybe that's a unique part of it, um, of this, you know, like a guy like Jeremiah Briscoe. I think he could thrive in the CFL. Kenny Hill is another guy that, that has that CFL type. Raleigh Ferguson, uh, JT Barrett, even Quentin Flowers. I think those guys are, are some of those CFL types that people up north can say, hey, we he may be quote-unquote undersized or maybe a step slow or short for the NFL because we know the NFL has a type. But they can use that up there in the CFL. And if you look at the CFL and how though they, they thrive, that's why you see them heavily at the NFL PA game. You see them at these other smaller uh, all-star games. We saw them at the Tropical Bowl full in full force. They're heavy at the Shrine game because those are the quarterbacks that, you know what, they may not make it into the NFL, but they're going to get a great opportunity up north in the CFL. And so you look at a guy like JT Barrett that's, that I thought should have probably been in the Senior Bowl based off his career at Ohio State, played four years and was a fifth-year senior. Um, that's the type of guy that usually gets rewarded with a Senior Bowl invite just for the sake of putting up numbers and playing a lot of big games. I get it. But he was in the Shrine game, and I think, you know, you look at JT Barrett and and how he plays and, you know, his skill set and what he brings to the table, even in the offense that Urban Meyer runs, you see a lot of that in the CFL. So I think he would be one that if it doesn't work out here in the NFL, he definitely has a home up north to play football. And a lot of these guys, I think, have a, a unique skill set to do that. Chris Trebler is another one out of South Dakota, uh, another talented player that got his team into the playoffs. He was a guy that transferred from Minnesota and now went to South Dakota and put up some phenomenal numbers for the Coyotes. So the CFL possibilities here with this group, I think, are more than what I saw last year. And I think that adds a little bit more value to the class as well. So it's a bunch of uniqueness with this class. And so everyone is tweeting out in response to my small observation. And there's nothing really in-depth but just, hey, here's what I got. Here's what I graded so far. Here's some quick thoughts. So there's nothing real uh, take worthy is just something that you know. Here, here's what I thought. There are some questions and you know some comments like from at Pigskin Paul says, uh, Emory with all due respect, Flowers is five ten and a quarter tall. Doesn't have the Russell Wilson ten inch hands. Love this play at USF. Has a strong arm but can't survive as an NFL quarterback. I, I mean, we just watched T.J. Yates, you know, and <laughs> and other quarterbacks get a chance. As long as you get an opportunity, that's all you can really ask for. Uh, at J.J. Steele. Three says regarding Loletta, I remember when Kessler was deemed the most accurate guy in the draft. You can still be accurate. I mean, that's something that's not as debatable as, you know, pocket toughness or something like that. So saying someone like Kessler was accurate, I don't think that's a unfair statement. It's probably just true. You know, you can be accurate and still not be able to handle pressure. Um, at Cornell 92, Tim Simpson asked, He's curious why Josh Allen's completion percentage is low. I think I alluded to it earlier about the arm. Um, you have to – control is going to be a, a thing for him. 
you know, as they move, as he moves forward. So there's a bunch of good things people are tweeting out at me, but I can't wait to release this. And now I get to go into my wheelhouse. You know, this was 31 quarterbacks, right? 30 quarterbacks. Like I said earlier, Kyle Kemp, we don't know if he's going to go. Hopefully he gets another year because I think he's, he's another one that has some upside. I like what I saw him do in on film and also in when I watched this live the Liberty Bowl I believe it was he played well man and I thought okay this guy's a senior that has to be unfortunate so if he gets another year I think he's going to be one in 2019 that people are going to say is going to be amongst some of the upper echelon of that group because I thought he played well and he still has some upside left in his game he hadn't played a lot of football so hopefully he gets another year but if he doesn't we grade his game out on here um as well, but I get to go and, and break down running backs. Now, we'll take a break tomorrow to watch the Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, I still don't have a pick for that game, and that's going to be a very tough uh, game. I think it's going to be tightly contested, good matchup. Both teams are evenly matched. Um, I just want to see how New England will deal with the, the line of scrimmage against a team in Philadelphia that has a very good offensive line, very good defensive line. And I'm also intrigued on how the Eagles will cover downfield. I think Brandon Cooks could be in store for a big day. So I'm interested to see how those two things play out tomorrow in the Super Bowl. But I will jump back into the film room on Monday to scout the running back position. Now, this may take me maybe two and a half days because of the the amount of backs that I have earmarked to watch. And I can't wait. And Just from initial look at the names, this I, I loved last year's class, you know, with Kareem Hunt, Fournette, Tariq Cohen, Christian McCaffrey, Delvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I love last year's class. This class is going to be just as, as good, if not a little bit better. So I can't wait to, to dive into those guys' film and, and, and really hammer out some grades. I, I can't wait to get out. This is how I did it. Because people ask, some people will ask, how did you grade these quarterbacks, you know, in a day and a half. Well, 5 a.m. wake up. You get your bearings together between 5 and 5.30. So whatever you got to do between 5 and 5.30 to get up, coffee, breakfast, you know, maybe a light jog around around the way, go work out. Then you come back in. You start film study at 6, and you go into – you take a break about 1. I, I took a break about 1.30, went to the gym for about an hour, came back, picked back up at about – 3:15 and went all the way through until midnight the first day, and then the yet uh, this morning got up at six, went all the way through to about one o'clock. So, you know, you got to put in the work. It, it's a lot of football you watch. You learn a lot about you know schemes and and people's tendencies. You watch enough film, you get to you get to pick up on a, a lot of what other guys do as far as from a coaching standpoint. But I can't wait to start breaking down the running back prospects. I think they're going to be a phenomenal group of guys. So, again, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. Follow me on Twitter. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is the Football Game Plan Network, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. So this, this has been it for this quick scout team podcast recap of the 2018 quarterback class. Without giving too much away, I want you guys to check out the video. So, again, be sure to stay tuned because we're going to have a lot more of these type of quick recap things or takeaway things coming down the pike. We may even include some of our analysts when they come out with their grades. So stay tuned and I will chat with you guys later.